0: We have two scriptures this evening, Luke 23, verses 44 through 56, can be found in the Bible on page 1,641. Um, As we did last week concerning Christ's suffering, um, I want to do this week as well, Uh, Luke 23 Verse 44 through 56 is a historical explaining of what Christ underwent in his death on the cross, and his burial. Uh, but Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 14 is a, a theological explanation as to what occurred at the crucifixion death of Christ. So let's read together. Luke 23, verse 44 through 46. It was 44 through verse 56. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Romans chapter 6. Verse 1 through 14 can be found in your Bible on page 1,754, Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires, do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. We're also going to be looking at Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 16, it can be found in the back of your green Psalter hymnals on page 23. 23. We can read the, voice, uh, the answers together with one voice. Why did Christ have to go all the way to death? Because God's justice and truth demanded. Only the death of God's Son could pay for our sin. Why was he buried? His burial testifies that he really died. Since Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? Our death does not pay the debt of our sins. Rather, it puts an end to our sinning and is our entrance into eternal life. What further advantage do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Through Christ's death, our old selves are crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us but that instead we may dedicate ourselves as an offering of gratitude to him. Why does the creed add he descended into hell? To assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation, that Christ my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, especially on the cross, but also earlier, has delivered me from the anguish and torment of hell. Our topic today is a weighty one. We're, call, of course, talking about Christ's death, but how our death is related to Christ's death and what that means to us. I think when you're younger, and some of you are like, you are younger. You don't think often about death. You sort of have this invincible veneer. The death is not really looming on the near future, looming on your mind as something that's approaching swiftly. Um, but the more that you live and the more that you experience death um, by loved ones dying, passing on, the more and more you think about it, the more and more it becomes real to you. It becomes something that's closer to you. And um, what I hope to do today, as we discuss Lord's Day 16, is to show you um, what a great benefit it is to know how Christ's death is for us and how that prepares us to, to face Death and experience death. Um, but before we get to that, as I was studying this week, I was reminded of how very, very sad and hopeless uh, other philosophies of death are. See, we're not the first people to wrestle with the experience of death, uh, the death toll is one for one. And it hasn't been beaten yet. Everyone experiences it at some point in their life. No one escapes it except for maybe Elijah and Enoch. And so there have been other people who haven't been Christians who have tried to wrestle with what death means. And one of the saddest and most depressing philosophies on death is... The Atheist Philosophy on Death. There's a famous atheist philosopher named Alan Watts. He's a British guy, and I think it tends to be that if you have a British accent, you just sound much more intelligent and cool when you say things. And I watched a clip of him talking about death and what it means. And... This is the way that he portrayed death. Death is not like a never-ending church service. All the kids can't imagine possibly going throughout the eternity having to be quiet in the pews. Death is not like reincarnation where you're born again. This is his word on it. It's to go to sleep and never, never wake up. It's going to be as if you never had existed at all. Not only you, but everything else as well. That there was just never anything. And there's no one to regret it. There's no problem. There's the atheist philosophy on death. It's just over. I don't think there's anything more sad than that, any more depressing than that. And, of course, we as Christians believe that's not the truth. What we have, and God's Word tells us that there's more to death than that. A whole lot more. And hopefully we can look at that tonight. Our theme tonight is, the Gospel assures us That Christ died, that we may die to sin and be freed from its ultimate consequence. Christ died that we may die to sin and be free from its ultimate consequence. We're going to be looking at this in three parts. He died for us. We die to sin. And then finally, we receive eternal life. He died for us, we died to sin, we receive eternal life. So let's look at this first point here, okay? The first thing that we need to get down before we dive into a conversation about death is that unlike atheist philosophies, death is not the end of existence. And so we have to have an understanding about what death means Why we're saying for the wages of sin is death. We're not simply meaning physical death, okay? So I want us to think back into the garden when God promised Adam and Eve that if they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, He said, you shall surely what? Die. Die. Well, the Hebrew actually says, dying you shall die. And so have you ever wondered why at Genesis 3... After Adam and Eve ate from the fruit and God came and saw them and cursed them, they didn't just simply die right then and there. Because the kind of death that God was speaking of has three tiers to it, doesn't it? There are three tiers to death and concerns with the scriptures. And that is, death is spiritual, physical, and eternal. So when we hear death, when we consider death, when we think about death, when it says death in the Bible, we need to be thinking in these categories. And these are all related. These are all connected. But The Bible speaks of them in different ways. So when God said, dying of it, you shall die, he was saying, you're going to die spiritually because you're going to be separated from me because of your sin. And that spiritual death is what's going to result in your physical death, you're wasting away. But the ultimate consequence of your death is a final death. It's an eternal death. It's a a death that's hell. Spiritual, physical, eternal. And what the Catechism is teaching us about death is that Christ experienced spiritual, physical, and eternal death on our behalf. That's the death that he experienced when it says that Christ died when we confess that he died in the Apostles' Creed, we're not simply saying he physically died. He died physically. We're saying more than that. We're saying that he who had no sin was made sin for us. That's spiritual death. He did physically die. But he experienced spiritual death, and when it says he descended into hell, what we're saying is in his suffering he experienced hell for us so let's look at that he died for us why did christ have to go all the way to death question 40 says because god's justice demands it justice and truth demands it only the death of god's son could pay for our sin. And if you think back in the catechism, when it introduced us to God's justice, it told us about this in question and answer 12. According to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both in the world and forever after. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? God requires that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of his justice must be paid in full either by ourselves or another. And it continues on until finally it tells us that the only person who can... Take our place is one who is truly human and truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, he must also be true God. That is, Jesus Christ, our perfect mediator, the one who is our only comfort in life and in death, because he took the punishment for us, purchased us by his blood. Why did Christ have to go all the way to death? Because God's justice and truth demanded only the death of God's Son, could pay for our sin. He died for us. The only question and answer in the Heidelberg Catechism that I think doesn't really hit the mark is question and answer 41. It says, why was he buried? And all it states is, it testifies to us that he really died. Because I'm thinking, when that soldier pierced, Christ sighed and all the water and blood came pouring out. That was testifying enough that he truly died. What is it about his burial that we should get? I think that his burial communicates to us the very last stage of his humiliation. Humiliation. Here is the Son of God, creator of the earth. And he falls into the same category of lowly man. From dust he was created, to dust he shall return. But what about we die to sin? Because we're talking about spiritual death here, right? When we say we die to sin, we're speaking about spiritual death. Question and answer 43 says, Since Christ, excuse me, question and answer 43 says, What further advantage do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Through Christ's death, our old selves are crucified, put to death, buried with him, so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us, but that instead we may dedicate ourselves as an offering of gratitude to him. We've talked a bit about union with Christ. And that's what Paul is getting after here in Romans 16. We're united to Christ. But what he's saying is we're not only united to Christ in his glorification, which is true, we're united to Christ in all stages of his life. And so we're united to Christ in his death. There's a few ways that we need to speak about this to make clarifying comments. When we say, when Christ died on Golgotha, Thousands of years ago, we died. We're not saying... that there is a one-for-one correlation. Otherwise, we would fall into the category of universalists... who believe that Christ's death accomplishes salvation for everyone. We're saying... That Christ went to the cross with his people in mind. He purchased their salvation. But we experience this union in baptism when we place faith in him. So when we're baptized, we're, as Paul says, baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death, buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we may live a new life. That doesn't happen at the moment of baptism. It happens at the moment that by faith we're united to Christ. Sometimes it does happen at the moment of baptism, but that's not typically the case. Paul's argument is very simple. What happened for us when Jesus died on the cross is that he put to death our sinful nature. But maybe you're saying, Carrie, if he put to death our sinful nature, why do we still struggle with sin? Why do we still wrestle with sin? The catechism makes a very simple clarification. as that the death that occurred in Christ's death on the cross concerning our sinful nature... was about rule reign it says so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer rule us I Catechism Lord's Day 1 tells us that Christ set us free from the tyranny of the devil the death of our sinful nature means that our sinful nature no longer has the last word That when we fall into sin, it is because we have chosen to sin, even though we have the power to choose not to sin because of Christ, because of Christ's spirit in us. Paul says as much. That we died with Christ, our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. And if we're no longer slaves to sin, then what should we do? We should use our freedom as an opportunity to live for Christ. To live as an offering of gratitude to him. And you see this word gratitude, it's going to be a precursor of the third section of the catechism when we speak of service and gratitude. Our sinful nature no longer rules over us because it died with Christ, that we died, our old self, our sinful self, die with Christ on the cross by our union with him, by faith, which is signified to us in baptism, the death of our sinful nature. The last thing I want to talk about Remember I said when we speak of death we are saying three things spiritual death physical death eternal death consequence of Christ's death is that we're freed from its ultimate consequence the consequence of sin question 42 is a very interesting question in the catechism and i think it's one that many probably have not thought of is since christ has died for us why do we still have to die why do we still have to die If Christ has died for us, why do we still have to die? That's an important question to ask. The answer given to us by the Catechism is our death is not a payment. Rather, it is a transition, an entrance into eternal life. The curse... God said they would have, right? Dying you shall die. Was something that resulted in eternal death. Spiritual death that resulted in eternal death. Here in the Catechism, it's saying that the physical death that we experience now, because it's freed from the results of spiritual death and eternal death, is no longer a punishment, is no longer the wages of sin. It is an entrance into eternal life. Our death puts an end to our sinning. It's the completion of our sinning, and it's an entrance into eternal life. It is not something to be feared. It is not something to be frightened about. It is not something that we look at as the final payment for the wrongs that we've done. It is the final stage in our being free from sin and entering into the life that God has promised us. This is an answer that we need to have for the people that we love and care about. just this week, we were driving in the car to go pick up my sons from school. And my daughter, Amarice, was asking about death and what it means. And, and I told her, uh, no, when we die, we go to be with Jesus. And she said back to me, well, if we go to be with Jesus, then I don't care if I die now. And I said, hey, hold on, we don't just march towards death. And jump into its arms. We have work to do while we're here. But the sentiment is there still. She understood that if, if Jesus is there when we die. Then the death is not something to be afraid of. Death is not something that we look at as an enemy. Because the sting has been taken away by Christ. The final question, question 44, is why does the creed add, he descended into hell? And the answer is to assure me in times of personal crisis and temptation that Christ, my Lord, by suffering unspeakable anguish, pain, and terror of soul, especially on the cross, but also earlier, has delivered me from the anguish and torment of hell. So he's delivered us in his death from eternal death. From hell. I think there's been a lot of debate about what he descended into hell means. In the Apostles' Creed, the actual Greek says Hades. Is that a different place than hell? Um, Whatever it may say or whatever it may mean or however we may wrestle with what Christ did... Between his death and his uh, and his resurrection, what we can say is that what the creed here says, what the catechism says here, is still true. That Christ did experience the torment of hell on the cross for us, and that experience of hell for him is something that should assure us in times of difficulty and hardship. That he has delivered us wholly, perfectly, and forever from ever experiencing the torments of hell. Sometimes if you ask people if they believe in hell, they'll say, yeah, I believe in hell. This life is hell. The hard things that we endure and experience in this life are the hell that the Bible speaks of. I want to assure you that hell, the hell that is to come, that has been prepared for Satan and his demons, is far worse than anything that you may experience in this life. And what the Catechism is telling us is that the the worst possible things that you can experience in this life may remind you, may make you consider and think about the torments of hell that Christ experienced on the cross. But in that reminder, it brings to you the truth that in the grace of God, Christ experienced hell for you so you don't have to. So that your death could not be an entrance into eternal torment. But an entrance and to eternal life in the presence of God and Christ. The gospel assures us that Christ died that we may die to sin and be freed from its ultimate consequence. So people of God die to sin, leave the sin behind knowing that Christ died for it on the cross and live, live as an offering of gratitude to God until the day comes when each and every one of us take our last breath or Christ comes back and we enter in to the eternal life granted us by grace. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. We ask your blessing upon us. We pray, Lord, that you would prepare each and every one of us for our death. That we know, may know, that in Christ's death we died, but also that in his resurrection we have been given eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.